Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast with Jesse, Heater, and MJ. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing Netflix's third film, the 2016 action drama Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, starring Donnie Yen and Michelle Yeoh. So, welcome back, boys. How are we doing? Good. Yeah, very good, good mate. We're sort of uh, sort of hitting the tracks now into our third episode, so we'll start off. Um, Heater, do you want to give us your fast flicks, little summary of the film? Sure, mate. So for me, it's a legendary sword and the battle between those who want to protect it and keep it safe and those who want to steal it for power and control. Ooh, I like that. Good little summary. Of- MJ? Um, based 18 years after the original and 18 years after the great warrior Lee Mubai's fateful, uh, fateful death, Sword of Destiny gives us a vague snapshot of all the ramifications caused by this event. A narrative held together by a generally uninspired script, cast, and purpose, it fails to hit to continue on the journey that Ang Lee started back in 2000. Ooh, a little bit of a criticism in your summary. I think all of mine have been. <laughs> Didn't I start Ridiculous 6 with an aptly named... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I've gone... Um, the film picks up 18 years since the end of the first film, where the chick lost the love of her life who was the protector of a special sword. She decides to protect the sword again... A young girl looks up to her and wants her to mentor her. However, she has a special connection with a young man who is one of many who come to try and steal the sword. He is taken prisoner, and the girl explains his mother helped raise her. Although they build a connection, he turns on her, takes the sword. It's a trick, however, as he takes it to kill the leader of the sword stealers. He fails, and an all-out brawl happens, with the good guys winning and taking the sword to hide it where they believe it will be safe. (sighs) All right. Big one. Good summary. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. So, you haven't seen the original Happy Hidden. I have not seen the I think original, that's. No. I think that's good. I think that's good that we get different analysis from um, people. Because there's going to be a lot of people who've watched this film who haven't seen the original. Yeah, um, it, it, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on a lot of things because I think a lot of, a lot of my thoughts were jaded by the fact that I really enjoyed the original. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a certain expectation that comes from any sequel. Yeah. Um, and Definitely I think they, they missed the mark with so many things or just ignored the mark with so many things. So I just, yeah, I think that's important to caveat straight away. Yeah. Did, like, obviously not seeing the film, was there any, did you feel like they'd done a good job in making sure you knew what was going on? Um, would have liked a bit more backstory on some of the characters but again, I'm not sure if they were even in the original film to begin with. So I guess just as watching it just as a film, I, I felt I, I understood everything. Um, it, it may have just been I didn't have enough, enough time in this one to do some backstory on some characters. But yeah, I just would have liked a bit more backstory on some, some characters. Well, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh is the only main character to, to come back and reprise her role. Okay. Well, I, think, I think the only other character um, that was actually even in the first one was was Thunderfist played by Woon Yong Park and even in the first one he's incredibly insignificant so okay. yeah, well, um, that's that's really it in terms of characters in that case then yeah, I don't really feel like I, I missed out in terms of this one's story that they didn't make me understand anything so what about the sword I... itself like did, were you sitting there thinking what's the big deal with this uh, sword I mean it's just a, it's just a powerful sword but there's there's plenty of kind of movies around about an object and you just know from the start you get told it's a yeah. powerful sword so sometimes you don't need to hear that history you just you just get told it and you know it and you go alright this film is now based around this yeah. this powerful object I kind of feel like there was just too much assumed on this sword because <laughs> yeah. I, I mean maybe maybe if you didn't see the first one and you, you can assume that it's like the first one yeah the, the sword was important but there was so much more about revenge 
to what was actually going on. Yeah. And, like, the sword kind of changed hands a couple of times and no one was really too fast. They just wanted to make sure they killed the people they wanted to kill. Um, And in this one, all of a sudden, the sword was just everything. Yeah. um, And that's... it, It was just... You just had to assume that that was why all this stuff was happening. Yeah, I, th- I think the sword in this one was massive MacGuffin, and it was like the. I feel like the way that the sword changed hands as well it was completely different in the first one. Like the first one was all about, you know, the sword was important to the person who had it, based on who they were, sort of thing. Whereas this one was more like, I want that sword. I want that sword. Yeah. Well, yeah why? Why did Hades, the the bad guy, why did he want it? Just because he wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a powerful sword. Yeah. Though. And I guess you also, like, I guess from someone who hasn't seen the original, <clears throat> I know that straight away just because it's in the titles. The Sword of Destiny is like, all right, this sword is the, this big mm. thing. Like, you're just kind of told straight away the sword is the be and all in all, it seems. I think they did, there's, the sword, from what I've read, was a different sword to the one they used in the original too, so it looks a little bit Physically. different. Physically. It yeah. looked nice. I must admit, I thought it looked really nice <laughs> in this one. <laughs> And like the the look of this film too, I thought there were certain stages where it was like they were almost trying to mimic the the style so of much of the original was. one. Like like literally like a lot of those scenes are like really hazy. Like, but I feel like the original has like obviously it's a little bit older, but the the feel of that made it feel more nat- naturalistic. Whereas this one, it makes it feel, and that that really annoyed me in this film as well. Was like the original film. All the establishing shots were these beautiful scenic shots of like real shots, and all the establishing shots in the Sword of Destiny—they're all CGI. Mm. They all rubbish. Like, ugh, did my head in. Like, I I have to say this straight away that the English speaking in this film was so jarring. Like, I I, I didn't expect. I just assumed it was going to be in Chinese, like the first one, or in Mandarin, like the first one. Um, and it immediately took me away from the original film. As soon as they started talking, I was like, hang on. Like, <laughs> where'd that come from? And I think that the jarring side of it was there were so many different accents. Like, so many of the actors were, like, full-blown American and they spoke with a full-blown American accent and so many other ones were, yeah, obviously, English second language and they're having these conversations as if they're from the same part of China and it's all happening at the same time and it was just so strange. Like, I'd... the One of those sort of similar sort of thing that really got me was um, there's a scene where... They're at like that sort of outdoor markety food place where they they challenge each other to the fight, and the, yep. the leader of the other guy who's like like an islander, yeah. he's like he's like a Mari islander. <laughs> he's like the head of these Chinese guys. Yeah. Like, like what on earth is going on? He's yeah. like the biggest Kiwi going around. And like, I was looking at him real closely. Ah, <laughs> 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 very very interesting. Um, they're based on books. These films, from what I can gather, there's five books in the series. Right. Um, and this is based on the fifth and final book in the series. Okay. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a little bit interesting. Um, well, maybe they missed a couple in between because, I mean, there were so many gaps in the first to the second one. But, um, they, um, this film had the same issues that Beast and No Nation had that we were speaking about with the cinema release too. Like, mm. they wanted to release it in the cinema in America, but um, the cinema chain said, no, nah, if you're just going to release it online the same day, not going to do it, but it still did. released yeah. though, didn't it? It did. Had a good run in China. Yeah. Got um twenty point eight mil USD on its opening weekend in China. In China, yeah. So that no, I mean that's in China don't have Netflix though. So. No, they don't. They don't. They, they don't. That is one hundred percent correct. Yeah. So that's obviously that was the only one I could see. But I think that only cost them about twenty million to make. So um, success. So yeah, do we, do we count that as a financial success? 
how can you not? Like if, yeah. if you're in the green, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how much Netflix paid for it, so um, that's true. Yeah, it's interesting. A critical, critical ratings, I guess. Have we read any anything that said that it that anyone liked it? <laughs> it's pretty negative. Yeah, yeah. very negative. Uh, I had I had a look. I think nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So it's pretty low. Um, yeah, I guess we'll sort of get into a few of those things as we chat. I think the um, like the it was quite obvious as well that a lot of it wasn't filmed in China. Mm. Most of it was filmed in New Zealand. New Zealand yeah. yeah, and to me that sort of takes away from the whole the whole story that you know the original set out to make, mm. and especially the characters that it's trying to represent. Like, yeah, obviously maybe it was cheaper, easier, good production in New Zealand, but um, to me, yeah, I don't understand why you've got a mm. Chinese movie and you're filming it in gosh, you know, such lush, a famous, green. Yeah. Yeah. Such a famous Chinese, I guess, brand name is Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like it's, yeah. and the original did so well. Like, you know, it was, it's goes, it's recognized as one of the better films, you know, foreign films of, yeah. of all time sort of thing. So really difficult. Um, any, any news on, or any ideas? Did it do well awards wise? Did it win any of the awards? I think I pretty I saw that it won an award for like best trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's not it, telling you much. It, is it really didn't get nominated. Someone gets a gun for that. Significant at all. Well done to the editor who put the trailer together. Yeah, yeah. Good, good editing for a trailer. <laughs> um, so what do we like? What do we like? Or you know, what what do we like about this film? <clears throat> I, I I enjoy the characters. Got yep. it. Having obviously not seen the, the first one, so I'm just going on this one. I I really like the characters of, of Silent Wolf, Wei Fang, and Snowbase. Really enjoy their characters, and I guess you know the the arcs. The would I like more story behind it, but the redemption of Silent Wolf and, and Wei Fang at the end. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, one thing I actually did enjoy, I guess, comparing it to a lot of other action movies, there was a lot of good female characters, mm. which I don't think you find yeah, in sure. a lot of action movies these days. It's really male dominated. There was, um, yeah, I thought I thought there was a good amount of um, of female key figures in this movie, which was good to see. And like and I've seen the original like I, I totally agree with that but then like you think about the original and like the action scenes and that were so much better uh, that, and, that's, <laughs> and you know what I actually I, I still think the action and sword fighting scenes in this were pretty good like yeah. they, were, they were enjoyable to watch I, I, I really enjoyed them yeah. the action scenes in this they were great but again you can't not compare that to what it was and you sit there and think okay we've had 18 years of special effects and stuntmen and everything that we can do to make it better mm. um, but like yeah it's still for sitting there watching it um, some of the scenes are pretty badass like um, even the scene even though it was a kind of a um, so so much of this film I'm going to keep harping on that felt like it was written by an algorithm they tried to say everything that happened in the first film let's do it again like yeah. <laughs> even the character of um, what was her name Snow Crane or um, Snow Vars sorry her character was definitely trying to just be like genuine from the first one um, but even so many of the scenes were the same as the first one the fact that there was a fight in the bar as opposed to the fight in the um, in the restaurant or um, and even that scene in the first one where they fight in the trees, which is an amazing scene. I, Great scene. It's, it's unbelievable. Then they had in this one the fight on the ice. And yeah. I, as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh, so this is the tree scene <laughs> coming into it. Um, but I loved, I still love that scene. I thought it was really cool the way they did that scene. I thought scene. that Frozen Lake scene was great. Frozen Lake's yeah. a much better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that was great. That was a good scene. To your point on the characters, I actually, the characters were likable. I just thought they had no depth. None of them had mm. any depth whatsoever. There was no emotional subtlety. So much of it was based on convenience. Like the idea that um, uh, Silent Wolf, who was 
spoken about in the first one is, you know, her husband, uh, so her, her husband-to-be passed away. The convenience of him coming back to give um, Michelle Yeoh's character something to care about is like, it's almost disrespectful to the audience. Just go, oh crap, we've got to think of something to get her in. Oh, let's just bring him back. Like little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, combine like even the, the two the two younger um, characters, Wei Fang and Snowbars, had no depth at all. It was almost like they just gained this little motivation right near the end of the film to, to give them something to worth fighting for. And um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing it to the first one, which is probably an issue, but... Well, it just wasn't. It just wasn't up to scratch. In, in saying that, one of the notes I've had, obviously, I've not seen the original, is that yeah, that the way Fang and Snowbase, um, it just felt forced. It yeah. felt like them kind of together was just just forced. Was yeah, like, it was no. really convenient. Yeah. Yeah. No, and a lot of the I thought a lot of the dialogue between them while he was locked in the cage was like a little bit meh. Like it was just like <laughs> it was like she's trying to focus and he's trying to distract her, and she's like, eh, "Stop distracting me!" <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, good progression there. We're, we're getting places. Um, I did like uh, Michelle Yeoh's um, character. You, I liked us. I liked how you could see the progression of her from when we saw her in the original film. There, like there was True, scenes, yeah. she was she had aged, and and you know there were scenes where they highlighted that she'd aged. Like there was a, at the start, she was like standing out, looking out over the, like the greenery and like, you know, you could see the wrinkles on her face and you could see that she was much older than she was in the original film. So I thought that was good. And, you know, sort of, sort of showed her wisdom and how she'd, oh, yeah. you know, she, yeah, obviously had matured a lot. And when she lived a life of solace yeah. after that, basically. And exactly. Now she's sort of had the chance to take a student and, I mean, she's still a badass fighter. That's what I liked about that. Mm. She hasn't lost anything in that. No. Moment. And like a lot of those scenes, you know, the scenes, where she was doing the, the martial arts, I thought they were really good as well. Yeah, and I think that's the highlight of the film, and I think that would have been the appeal of making it in the first place. To go, we've got this awesome film from you know a couple of decades ago uh, that was m- largely based on awesome martial arts and and that sort of stuff, and now we've had eighteen years of getting it, making it better. Let's let's blow this out of the water. Um, but I mean, they just didn't have any script to work with from the start. I hadn't seen any this uh, by the director. I hadn't seen any other of the director's work. I think main, mainly Chinese films. Yeah, um, I haven't seen anything else either. What about the other actors? Have you have you guys seen Michelle Yeoh in anything? Because I I have. <laughs> I love her in Star Trek Discovery. She's great in that show. It's another Netflix um, original for everywhere except the USA and Canada. Um, she's really really good in that. Um, and Donnie Yen, like. He's been in a few things. He's been quite a few things, and I loved seeing him in this because um, I haven't seen a lot of martial arts films, but I have seen Ip Man, and he plays Ip Man. Yeah, big, and big in Ip Man, isn't he? Yeah, like I haven't seen the sequels or anything, but the the first Ip Man I thought was like a really really good uh, martial arts film. Have you guys seen anyone any of them in anything else that you can you can think of? Well, the thing for me, and this is, I mean, we do have a section on this wonderful podcast called IMDb, it where we talk about the time that we actually went on to IMDb but the thing that got me was the guy who plays Wei Fang was Mike Chang from Glee which <laughs> I didn't know that so he's one of the main characters in Glee um, so I've obviously seen him in Glee and he's a very American actor yeah, um, yeah. and you know, I didn't realise that till I checked it so I guess kudos to him for showing I, a bit of versatility while well, we're on the IMDb thing, so I literally got on the IMDb just to see if there was like this was before I'd researched and stuff to see who else was actually from the original <laughs> yeah just to go through the cast and speak man nah 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 <laughs> that kind of got me a bit <laughs> yeah, I was like uh, yeah hey John, we're going to do my yeah. IMDb now yeah. um, 
Well, what you spoke about before at that uh, the kind of the tavern fight, the leader of the mercenaries, you know, is the, the, the Kiwi <laughs> Islander bloke. I'm looking and going, surely that's Jake from Once Were Warriors. Yeah. So I had to look that up straight away. I'm like, oh, it's not Jake. That wasn't Jake. Okay, no, what wasn't Jake from Once Were Warriors? I, I I saw him and I went, oh, surely not. Like that, surely that's not him. Like, I didn't think it was him. But he looked. I, I just thought he looked so familiar to him. So I had to look that up and go, oh no. Wasn't him, but th- that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is getting oh, strange. Jake the Mask. Jake the Mask. Obviously, like, filmed in New Zealand, but why did they pick that guy to play the lead of that gang? Like, Who was he? Did, was he anyone? No, nah, I don't know. Like, why didn't they pick a, an Asian character? <laughs> why didn't they have the movie in Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, well, going back to IMDb, the only other one I had was um, uh, the guy who played Flying Blade, um, who is... Chris Payne, who is a Melbourne boy um, from Crazy Rich Asians and also Tomorrow When the War Began, but recognise him straight away. He plays Lee in Tomorrow When the War Began. Oh, yes, yeah, Lee, isn't he? Yeah, yep. he's Colin from Crazy Rich Asians. Yep. Um, yeah, he's a Melbourne boy. Hmm. But again, you could just tell like their accents and stuff. You could see the guys who just were so much more comfortable speaking with that American accent compared yep. to those who clearly weren't, and it yep. was just so jarring. So what, what- We've spoken briefly about this, but standout scene scenes that you think didn't work. I I mean, just from kind of an action point of view, I love the final fight scene with everyone involved. Thought that was some great work there. So I I liked the fight scene, but I didn't like the whole tower thing that they were fighting mm. on. Um, it just looked a little bit fake. Yeah, a little bit fake. But yeah. I did like how they that they played that connection out of. From the start, when um, you know he's hanging off the cliff, um, and then mm. it's like reverse yeah. when he's hanging off the top of the tower. Um, they reverse those roles. So I thought that was that was quite clever. Um, How convenient though, when he comes back from the dead, the guy who killed him or killed him in the <laughs> commas is the bad guy in this film as well. Just <laughs> surprise, surprise! They're full of, full of good surprises in this film. Um, the and I, I liked the continuity as well of that um, the necklace with the. Um, you know the the gap the in the middle with the, the so the training. yeah the training and then obviously that they could use that at the end as that's that's one thing actually I mean, we've talked about in the last couple of podcasts kind of the film length this was a ninety minute film I wouldn't mind this movie going a bit longer because I would have liked to see more training scenes between you and Snowbase so yeah she really I really developed there yeah, was, there was I mean, none of that montage and the training scenes like started off really well <laughs> and then it was kind of like. Oh, now we're into the big fight. Like, I would have liked. I enjoyed watching the training scenes. I would have liked yeah, to see yeah. more training scenes between those two. I like. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Literally, there's, there's a scene. She gets drunk. She gets angry at her. Makes her stand there yeah. for hours yeah. on end, and then cool, you're yeah. good to fight. Yeah. That was about it. But I mean, she was obviously obviously already a talented fighter before yeah. it happened. Like that. Actually, that first scene with her and um and Wei Feng when they're trying to steal the sword yeah. initially and they're trying to be quiet. Yeah. I thought it was done pretty well when they kept knocking over glasses yeah, and amazing. stuff yeah. and catching it. And yeah. Yeah, that was, I, I enjoyed that. Um, so some sort of ideas I've got about this is like the master and student. Obviously in, well, in a lot of Western films, it's sort of played out a different way. You think like Star Wars, like you've got your Luke Skywalker and your Obi-Wan Kenobi's or Luke and Yoda. Um, Avengers, you've got spider-man iron man all working together how does how does the the master and and student like or someone having a mentor sort of play out differently in like sort of a an eastern film i, I think it's very different i think it, i think it's massively well, different i mean a lot of it comes down to them being that like father figure mm-hmm. and you need to 
avenge them if they die and it, it becomes everything that mm. relationship like you you give everything to your master as opposed to exactly. learning and surpassing and that sort of stuff yeah I think I just think it's like different when you yeah obviously different cultures different cinema and you're seeing yeah like you like you said they're dedicated to everything whereas it's more a you know a mentor yeah, I've taught you off yeah, you go off the world, world, to the world yeah, do your own sort of thing rather than just hang around and, and be with that person. You're right, and that's just the yeah. cultural thing full stop, isn't it? Yeah. You notice that in all that con- all those films. So the redemption towards the end you spoke about before, Heath, like uh, you know, Snow um Vase made that promise to look out for Wei Fang and, and yeah. she did that. Do you think she was redeemed at the end? Do you think that them riding off on those horses to to go bury the sword was like, I oh, yeah, she's you know, she's done done the right in the world now, so she's gonna live happily ever after or yeah, absolutely. It's like it's, I mean, it's kind of a corny ending, but it's the way that that's another. It's another master thing, though. Is it's yeah. her fulfilling her. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, she that was her master. Yeah. She she taught her everything she knew, and yeah. that was her life goal. So, do you think now that she's transgressed to having a new master, or is she now sort of independent? Like, is she gonna? Because, mm. like, obviously, that you see them riding off with um, the other two characters as well. Yeah. Like, are they following them, or are they going to go their separate ways? Do you think? So she's just going to continually be a follower for her whole life. I reckon they're going off on their separate ways. Uh, do you ever lose your master though? Like in the first one, um, what's his name? Lumu Bay is like the great swordsman that they all talk about and rave about and he never loses sight of his master. His whole goal is to avenge the death of his master. I still, yeah. So, I mean, it's not being a follower if she's going to stick around stick with around. Michelle Yeoh's character. Good. So what are some some things that sort of, you know, you thought were good, bad, stood out? Like for this, when I was watching this, I watch all my films with subtitles. The first 10 minutes of this film, the subtitles did not match up one bit yeah, I know, with I, the dialogue. I yeah. started watching I started watching it with subtitles because I assumed it was going to be in Chinese. <laughs> I don't I don't generally watch in subtitles, I do occasionally. Um, and so I had subtitles on for this and I noticed that as well. Sometimes there was like a line in subtitles that wasn't in the film. Yeah, it they just had it, different. But yeah. it was, it, it worked. Yeah. But it was almost like a, they, they'd cut that line out of the movie, but they hadn't cut it out of the subtitles. Yeah, like they, they took the script and literally just cashed <laughs> yeah. the script over the top and it didn't matter where, where, where what they edited yeah. or what they took out. And that did my head in I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, surely there's someone's job to make sure that, you know, like if you're a deaf person, and you're trying to watch it, and you're like watching it, like it doesn't yeah, make any true. sense. Like, surely it's not that someone. If you're a deaf person, you're getting more intel than someone who's not yeah. watching. Which <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the irony, um, and this is talking about the sword, which is obviously a key motive throughout the film. Um, I enjoyed the irony of Hades finally getting his hands on that sword and instantly being slain by his own sword. Um, and I, it begs the question for me, does that mean that the sword itself just isn't that important? Because here we go, this guy had this sword anyway that was the thing that killed him. Or had that sword already made the decision? I think as he said when he got killed, he's like, oh, no, you know, this sword is uh, too... It's a sword that chooses or is too powerful yeah, or something. I think it's more like who's worthy of the sword. I kind of preferred it to be, yeah. why are you fighting over this sword when this sword that you had all along killed you? I, I, I like that. I like that too, but like... Going back to the original film, I feel like it's more that the sword chooses who. I thought who, that who, too. Gonna work and you know what? If that's the case, I wish he didn't say that line. <laughs> yeah, and but some of the dialogue in this, though, like some of the lines, are like, oh, well, you just got to live with it. You just got to live with with what's going on. Like, especially, um, you know, compared to the, the, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're seeing a story that's meant to be told in a different language in English. Maybe, yeah. 
and maybe the dialogue in the original one was rubbish but we only know it because what we're reading is the subtitles potentially I'm sure it's <laughs> not, <but. laughs> who knows yeah I know <laughs> who knows but um, I also think that it was it was a shocking script it really was they had nothing to work with with this and, and I think the characters lacking any depth I mean, it wasn't through the actors not trying yeah. it was through that's what they had to go with and I just I think there was not enough there I think they were up against it from the start would this have worked better on the big screen? I think the fight scenes would have been great yeah. on the big screen. Totally yeah. agree. It would look good. Mm. Yeah. Exactly would've, what would've I think. Yeah. I actually um, really like the music in the movie as well. Yeah. One of the music kind of, especially there's a few times kind of there when you get introduced and panning in on the tower, there's some really good score behind it, which I think would have also felt uh, sounded really great in the cinema as well. I hadn't even thought of the music, so that's, that's a good pickup. Um... When would you tr- like any time of the day you try and watch it? Any location? I remember watching this, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and I was just feeling pretty lazy. I thought, all right, I'm going to watch this one now. That initial fight scene just hooked me in straight away, and I was like, oh, cool, all right, yeah. this is going to be good. So I actually think it's kind of yeah, any time of day, just because I know if just from my point of view, yeah, I was feeling quite lazy, but that first scene hooked me in, and I was like, all right, I'm going to work now, I'm into this. That's fair. I don't think there's any. You know, some movies you can't watch during the day because you're just not in that mindset. Yeah. Um, this film's pretty pretty good to watch whenever. And I, I think it's based on that sword fighting and martial arts, which unfortunately doesn't isn't good enough to solely drive the film. It still probably is the biggest appeal of the film. I reckon like, you need to be able to focus too because I don't know whether it's because I'd seen the first film I was getting confused with the characters, but I think, yeah, you need to to keep a close focus on what's going on so you can understand who's who and what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that was just me overthinking because I'm trying to connect people to the, yeah, the first film. That's impossible not to do. And that kind of, I'm glad we're 25 minutes in. I haven't mentioned it yet because this is almost my biggest bugbear is that the fact that they completely ignored the importance of Gen Yu and Dark Cloud's character relationship from the first one. Like completely ignored it. And I think it was because they were trying to replicate it with Snow Bays and, and Wei Fang. Yeah, it's like a mirroring story. Yeah, but like by the end of the first film, that they were the two most significant characters. That's where the story was heading and at least to touch touch on it and see what's what actually happened from that. Because as soon as I saw that Zi Zhang wasn't in the cast, I was like, oh, don't do it. Like, don't just ignore her. <laughs> it's like when you watch American Pie 3 and they don't mention Oz. Just, they just yeah. don't mention him at all. <laughs> that, <laughs> and was, they, that was just... And they take the piss out of it the next time. They're like, yeah. oh, he's like, sorry, man, I didn't come to your wedding. I was like, oh, just because <laughs> Chris Klein wanted more money and they wouldn't give it to him. But it, it, it bothers me when that sort of stuff happens in a sequel. Yeah. It, it disrespects yeah. the audience. Um, and obviously, I'm sure they would have loved some sort of ability to tie her into it. Maybe she didn't agree to it. She's obviously a very big actor now. But um, it just just give you some sort of mention of it. Don't ignore it because... It, uh, Fans of the first one, they're hanging out for something on that, and they didn't give it to you. How did you feel at the start of the film when the Weinstein logo came across the screen? So I, I felt a little like I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, and I think that's going to be an issue for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it confused. I didn't even. I didn't know it was a Weinstein film. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that until until it came up at the start, and I put that in my notes as well because that threw me. But yeah, also the connotations with it now. Are, that's just the reality. There's plenty of good Weinstein films out there. There are. Yeah. yeah, there are. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just, you, you kind of, I just, you see it when it comes on, you're like, ah, oh, right, okay. But then as soon as the movie got into it, I completely forgot about it and it didn't really impact my viewing of it. What about you, Jess? 
I don't like, I don't know whether this is the right thing to think or whether it's me being, I, I think like they should almost remove that logo yeah, okay. from films, go back, especially, you know, now you've got Netflix streaming service. Wouldn't take them much to take that logo out. Yeah. I mean, they're a defunct company. They, I think this was their third last film that they released before they went bankrupt. So their catalog's been bought out by another studio. So yeah. that studio should just go back, wipe one scene off the top of them all and, and put their logo on it. Yeah, as you're right, it's a streaming service. It's not difficult to, no, go not difficult to do. Obviously, if you already own a DVD, it's going to be difficult. But <laughs> it's, it's a very good point. the scene out of there. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, good. The end. Would it have been better if Snow died? Um, to be honest, I don't know if it would have been better or worse. I, I just her character didn't have enough significance for me I, I wasn't following her story as much as I was following the other two I would have um, really liked for her to die because <laughs> <laughs> like seriously instead of like some corny happy ending where they ride off into the sunset with the sword and everyone's happy kill her off yeah we might have had a bit more emotional resonance yeah, and yeah. we can see the impact it had on um, I think I think if they had have had a lot, more, I mean, more of a backstory into the relationship with Wei Fang and Snow and Snowbase, and there was just more content on that, then if she dies and you see maybe kind of the emotions of Wei Fang, but I just don't, don't think there was enough kind of backstory where if she died, there'd be there enough, really wasn't, was there? there'd be enough significance as to oh we've lost someone great because there just wasn't enough backstory. To, this is the second movie to in a relationship. This is the second movie in a row we've looked at where they use like you know going back in time through black and white fades. Like they did in the ridiculous six as well, and to me, like that just does my head in. Like to when you go back to see how the mother died or whatever, it's just like, come on, we're 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 pretty smart audience. That's the thing; it treats that, you as an idiot, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, we don't need need to be you know have it spelt out for us yeah, on the screen. Yeah. Um, you, was was there some sort of romantic connection between those two? Was that was that there? Was they were they trying to force something there? I felt you were forced yeah. into a romantic connection between them. Because I mean, the connection for them anyway felt forced. That they were, they, yeah. I mean, there was all of a sudden they just became really close because the story that they told about yeah. them having sharing the same mother and master or whatever. They weren't brother and sister, so it wasn't any problem with them having any no. sort of romantic yeah. connection. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if there was one or not. I did feel like there was something there, yeah. but it felt like I was forced to believe yeah, there was yeah. something there. Maybe if they had done a better job of that, they could have killed her off better as well. Yeah, it would have meant something. Yeah, would have actually cared about her dying, yeah. and then you would have seen an impact on him and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Any other any other observations? Um, Iron Crow, who was the mentor of Wei Fang, his weapon of choice was very poor. I thought the two sticks of the Iron Crow's feet. You know, he, <laughs> he was fighting against. Um, Silent Wolf on the ice. Uh, yeah. He ended up with just with yeah, just yeah. got his sticks with his crows. Okay. Just a really poor choice of weapon, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching him. You know, you see all the great fights. You know, got the, the flying daggers and the swords <laughs> and stuff. And then this guy with his two sticks. It's just like nah, poor uh, choice of weapon. Even a guy with you know thunder fists. He's he's <laughs> fighting with his own arms in a sword yeah. fight. <laughs> I'll tell you what else what really did my head in was at the end, just before they ride off into the sunset. They did like that montage of all the people who died along the way. Mm. <laughs> Come on! Is there anything interesting about the fact that all the guys who came with Silent Wolf died? Is that um, obviously he's not their master, so it's not the same as like a master apprentice relationship? But when they the last one to die, I think was Flying Blade, and I was like, well, yeah. of course he's going to die. You can't just leave one of them. But it just felt interesting that all these accomplished fighters. They just, they just killed them all off. I, I feel like yeah, because because they all I cared joined, more about them. Than they, I cared. They, they, they all joined him, I guess. 
because they thought it was their duty and the it, it was the honour to do and you know they're but I guess weren't they doing it for money well that was half the and they kept insinuating that they were doing it for money well they kept talking about I hope you're getting paid enough yeah. for this but then yeah. they were also just like yeah but no this is why I do it yeah. I, I, I felt like it was more they thought it was the right thing to do rather than money and I guess the thing is you know their, their creed was that you know they'd be willing to die for this cause and it shows them dying for this cause they were, they were happy I'm not happy to do it but that they, they took that risk knowing I'm, I'm prepared to die for this yeah. cause because it's the right thing to do. It almost justifies them a little bit more. Even though I thought they were probably the most likable characters in the film. Oh, probably. yeah. And you I actually cared for them a bit yeah, more Yeah, you well. did. Absolutely. Yeah. You did. There's a bit more to them. And, you know, the, the, they brought a bit of entertainment as well. Definitely. Like, with their, yeah. their skills. So, time to give our rating. Out of five, we each give our give the film a rating and then we're going to add them up to average them out to see as a team what we give it out of five. MJ... Two and a half for me. Um, I think the the martial arts and the sword fighting was, was good to watch. Um, the journey was uh, not a bad journey to be on. I didn't mind following it. But as I said, I think they're up against it from the start with a very unimaginative script um, based on a hell of a lot of convenience and a bit of a disrespect to the audience. But combine that with the fact that there was no real depth built into any character and they're up against it. Peter? Yeah, I obviously not seeing the original. I, I thought it was a just a good action film. I love the fight scenes, they were great. Um, but it was a bit predictable, I thought the movie. Again, as MJ said, the depth there wasn't great in terms of the storytelling. But for me it was still a pretty enjoyable movie to watch. I gave it three out of five. I'm along the same lines, I've gone three out of five as well. Um, but that's part of that rating is because the original for me is like almost close to a perfect movie. Um, so to give this anything higher than a three, it just isn't going to happen because of like what you guys have said that, yeah, the, the fight scenes are great. The action's really good, but, um, obviously the, the character development is quite lacking, um, which, which sort of brings the film down a little bit. So before we, we wrap up, I want to talk about our social media platforms and we're going to put a question out there this week on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at flicks forum. But for you guys, what is the best sequel of all time? Oh, ooh! Off the top of your head, this one's a surprise one. Oh, best sequel of all time. Say, so, oh. so I'm gonna go Toy Story two because I think Toy Story two. Does Toy Story three count as a sequel? Say, oh, I don't know if that. Because <laughs> I, I like Toy Story three better than Toy Story two, but I reckon Toy Story two is close to one of the best sequels oh, of all time. Jesse. Sorry, I, I have put you on the spot. It's tough, but it's that question. Like, because obviously this sequel, we've all said it's not great. You know what you think with a good sequel is something that doesn't disgrace the original, almost. That's almost what a good sequel is. Um, For me, it's Terminator 2. Ooh, Judgment Day. I thought you might have gone with Anchorman 2, but that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Terminator 2 was a a brilliant sequel that that did, as I said, it did justice to the first movie. Terminator 2 was a great movie. And that's probably yeah, probably the best out of any of those Terminator movies, almost. Well, you're wrong there, but... Oh, really? Oh, the first one's the best. Oh, well, I can't, yeah, I can't think one. of many films that actually um, supersede the original. And I think if you like the original, it's... Godfather um, Part 2. Well, that's... That, that, that <sighs> Godfather Part 2 is a very good movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to say American Pie 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to reference American Pie twice. <laughs> that was brilliant. Twice <laughs> in a martial arts uh, film <laughs> podcast. I'm going to reference American Pie twice, but um, they had big shoes to fill and it filled it. 
<laughs> Good. I agree. Well, well, looking forward to hearing what you guys think. Uh, that'll be on our social I'm media. Sure, there's page. another one. Though. I'm going <laughs> to get on social media when I think of another one. And that'll be on there this week. So, um, the film we're looking at next week is the 2016 adventure comedy Pee Wee's Big Holiday, starring Paul Rubens. So, um, if you have 90 minutes to spare. Have a watch of that film so you can be included in our discussion next we week. We do prefer it when you watch it beforehand so you can uh, you can enjoy the discussion more and we don't have to worry about spoilers, which we don't worry about anyway. So yeah. Correct. Uh, so- you know this by now. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've spoiled every movie. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Good talking. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. See you then. Cheers.